0: Hello and welcome to Prophetic Voices Preaching and Teaching Beloved Community, a podcast from the Episcopal Church's Office of Reconciliation, Justice, and Creation Care, where we explore the season and lectionary through the lens of social justice. I'm your host, Reverend Shaniqua, Staff Officer for Racial Reconciliation, and I'm so glad you could join us. In this episode of Prophetic Voices, we'll be discussing the Good Friday Lectionary. Our lovely guests this week are the Reverend Dr. Cameron Partridge, who is from the San Francisco Bay Area and is the rector of St. Aidan's Episcopal Church in San Francisco. Cameron is married to Katiri, and they have two children three cats, and a bunny. Cameron enjoys hiking, reading, and watching movies. And of course, Brother Angel Gabriel, who was born and raised in San Juan, Puerto Rico. He has ministered in several capacities, most recently as a diocesan missionary for youth and young adults, as well as a camp director. Angel is currently a seminarian at Seminary of the Southwest. He is a life-professed brother of the Brotherhood of St. Gregory and Episcopal Community of Friars. Welcome, friends. Thank you so much for being willing to be guests on Prophetic Voices. I know our listeners love to hear you, and so do I. Let's go ahead and get started. What is important to keep in mind for Holy Week, or specifically Good Friday this year?
1: I believe, at least uh, in my humble opinion, one of the things that we should keep in mind is the the spirit of hospitality, hmm. and um, not just hospitality of what of how we offer things and how we prepare our homes, but how we prepare ourselves hmm. and how we present ourselves to to others, especially during, during Lent. I think it's like perfect time for that.
2: Hmm. Hmm. I think about this every year, but especially this year, um, God in Christ is in the midst of the pain. Um, God is in solidarity with us in Jesus Christ, in the midst of all the painful places of our own lives, of our particular communal lives and in all the places of pain in the world. Hmm. And they're so much of that in our world right now so that sense of solidarity presence and compassion in the midst of the pain um that's that's what I particularly want to bear in mind this year
0: I was thinking about like similar but I was thinking about specific you know like you know our state passed the legislation that trans kids can't get health care anymore and and you know doctors would lose their license and could be jailed for for providing such health care and mm-hmm. some of the just that stuff that's going on and how it feels like there's been a lot of loss maybe is how i put it
2: yeah <laughs> well i mean the, the stuff that you just brought up i mean just this morning i was reading about utah and that um, there's new legislation around preventing um, access to restrooms. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. this, there's been so much for trans folks. Um, it's there's so much that's been around our country targeting trans people, uh, trans youth. It's it's been horrifying. So as a as an openly trans person, I read this stuff, and it's it's very painful. And I think about. various ways we're impacted so yeah that is a place of pain and so on good friday that's one example of a of a place where um christ in the midst of the pain stands with us and not Mm. outside or separate but right there with us not abandoning us to Mm. ways that the world would abject us um and is it is um abjecting us um making us other um casting us out
0: yeah, hmm. What liturgical suggestions do you have for Good Friday? I know some people like reverence the cross or they do the solemn collects and biddings. Um, do we do the reserve sacrament or do we not do the reserve sacrament? What are your thoughts about all that?
1: I love communion. <laughs> so um, I don't know if it's because of my my uh, um, Roman Catholic background or something, I don't know. But I, I just think that... Um, the communion is such a, it's, it's such a symbol that, um, that just transcends anything we do and everything we do. Um, and it kind of reminds us to stay together and have mm. a meal together. Mm. doesn't matter how bad it is at the moment or how good it is or how much pain we might have. We still sit down. We still break bread. We still share. We still sit down around the table and I think that's just that's just lovely so i i i, I think we should keep the, the sacrament but i would focus um a little bit more on again with the whole hospitality thing on how we receive everyone when they arrive on friday because sometimes we get into um such a solemn um and calm moment that we kind of miss some of that friendliness and love that we should also give even in, in, in such um, a dark type of, of, of day like um, Friday can be, you know, we, 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 can still be loving with, with each other, especially with all the things happening. Um, and this is coming from me being in Texas and, and just being a co- like a couple of, I would say minutes from the Capitol where so many things against our, trans siblings and our immigrant siblings
0: Mm.
1: keep some coming out and i'm just a couple of feet away from it and i'm like what are we doing what are we doing Mm -hmm. so yeah
2: yes i mean in the past we've done a communion from the reserve sacrament as well i think last year we didn't um but um that sense of of refraining on good friday um was something we decided to to embrace but I concur with everything you've just said, Angel. Um, Other liturgical suggestions that I think I, I love when there's any opportunity um, to do stations of the cross, um, Mm -hmm. you know um, there's various ways that can be done over the years, whether in a parish or campus ministry, I've, I've done that. I especially love opportunities for a variety of different voices to offer little reflections on the stations. and to interpret the various stations or moments in the passion narrative through the lens of things that are happening today to really mm. make the connection, um, often visually, but it also can be with music, um, other audio. Um, so just to emphasize multiple voices and connecting the, the passion narrative with what's happening on the ground in the world, in our lives. Um, I do like um, the reverencing of the cross. Um, we we do that at Saint Aidan's um, uh, with a with a kiss, and also people lay flowers at the uh, at the base of or um, along the cross. Um, it's it's powerful. Um, so those are those are a couple of additional thoughts I have on that.
1: I love what you mentioned about um Cameron. You mentioned about the. Showing different perspectives, because I think that um sometimes we kind of go into one perspective because we're comfortable, we feel safe there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um that we just don't sometimes we just forget that there's all these sorts of beautiful, delicious voices around that also need to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a I don't know, it's just such a beautiful way of of doing it because you're you're really just welcoming everyone so let's talk a little about Isaiah. As I read that, I know I
0: forget what that's called, supersessionism or something, but like where like, you know, you read that. Who is Isaiah talking about? Um, where about the surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases and like a sheep, all that all that business. What do you think that's about?
2: Well, I mean, he's describing a context of of someone who is being othered, someone who is being mm-hmm. profoundly dehumanized. Um, he's speaking Um, I love the, I love and am moved and disturbed um, by the language of, um, he's describing situations where people are treated horribly. And what I love is that it illumines realities that people experience and don't have mirrored back to them. And they can feel um, abandoned in community and are abandoned in community. So there's a naming of a dynamic around that, that I find a way into um, with this um, the language of, of startling many nations um, that which had not been told them they shall see that which they had not heard they shall contemplate so there's a revealing of a dynamic of, of othering that's happening in community um, I'm not um, I, I read this through a Christian lens we read this this is one of the passages of mm. Friday Um, I'm not interested in making any kind of claim that that's the only way one should read it. I think there are multiple communities that read this, this passage in multiple ways. And I try to carry an awareness of that, um, in my own reading of it, but I'm, I hear it in a, we're invited to hear it in a good Friday context, um, to lift up experiences of anguish and of othering and of, and if we read it through a Christian lens, um, we're invited to see it in connection with what happened to Jesus um, and that sense of, of his experience of being poured out in the midst of, of um, violence and pain and, and standing with us in the midst of that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of um, a sort of substitutionary atonement theology. Mm -hmm. So ways in which it's been read in that way, I'm not, I'm not going to amplify. i'm I think it's important to be mindful of that, um, but I'm not I think it's I find it helpful to attend to dynamics of of communal suffering and othering and um that kind of experience being named. Um, I don't know how that strikes you, angel, but I'd be curious
1: to hear your thoughts <laughs> um, for some reason the I do like somewhat of the balance of the reading because it kind of starts to me like, Hey, this, this, God has made me strong. These are my strengths. These are the gifts that God has given me. And then at the end, it's, I don't know. I, I, I see it has quite powerful of, if God is with me, then who's going to go against me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I don't know. I just find it very, very, very balanced. But, at the same time, there's so much pain in the middle of it mm-hmm. and, and, and we cannot forget that part and and one wonderful part of all this reading to me is that you know Friday is such a strong i mean i I take it so personal um and it's so painful that sometimes we we gotta be reminded that we cannot just stay in that pain mm-hmm. just because i mean and pain can sometimes be comfortable because um we know how it feels. We, we know what to do with it. And sometimes what comes next, we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So it just, we, we just become that comfortable in that, in that, in that pain, in that, in that suffering. But we know that we cannot stay there. We know that the story does not end there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really just one step, a very important step, a step that we need to pay attention to, but, you know, tomorrow will be another uh, another day. And it almost follows the 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 order of, of the reading. Here's what God gives us. Oh my God, this pain is terrible. But hey, tomorrow there's resurrection too. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: Cameron, I love what you said about
0: reading this as somebody who's been othered and who's experiencing pain. And I think a lot of us can identify with that. Who do you think our church or our society has been othering as of late or as of recently?
2: I'm mindful of um, the the trans community, um, and there are trans folk, um, non-binary folk, two spirit folk, lay and ordained, who the church has is is in the process of fully embracing. We've made important statements around non-discrimination and welcome, and we're not finished living into that. So, uh, I know folks who have been othered um, by the church um, who are trans, non-binary, and two spirit. Um, and that deeply troubles me. And, um, I very much want for us to fully do what we have set ourselves out to do in that regard. I just saw, I mean, this, I just saw the Philadelphia 11 documentary. Mm. Um, and I know that's about, um, um, uh, 50 years ago. Um, but I was especially struck by the story. Um, there's so much, but of, um, Peter Beebe who invited, uh, two of the women to uh, celebrate Mm -hmm. at congregation and lost, uh, his ordination because of it. And I was in our conversation in my parish after we watched the film, we thought, Oh my goodness, how could this have happened? Um, how might this be repaired? Um so there's a not, there's so much stories of othering in in that film there's so many uh, the women experienced othering um before and after their ordination and those who supported them also did in a variety of ways
1: with the whole othering um i think it happens i i see it all the time um especially with um our our trans siblings and um people of color i think sometimes as a church we really think that because we have the conversations we have it all figured out and it's like oh we are we already did this we already had the lgbt conversation we mm-hmm. already had the conversation about color oh we have a course on this or did you see this course or we wrote a book about this and we think the conversation's done it's over the system for some reason, it has been miraculously fixed. And that's that's not the case. We're still pushing people on the side. The only thing we're doing is that we're, we're inviting them into the room. We're giving them a chair at the table, but we have a nice piece of, of duct tape in their mouths. And we're just telling them, just be happy that you're at the table at least you have something Mm -hmm. and then we keep on asking ourselves hey um did everyone speak it was like yeah everyone spoke and then we keep on going with the next subject Mm -hmm. but not everyone spoke that was on the table you know just being at the table is not it, it doesn't solve the issue we have to listen to the person and also listen with 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 our hearts open because it's not just listening. And then it goes from one side to the other. No, no, no. We have to listen and and be open to, you know, maybe a little bit of change or maybe lots of change, or maybe redo what it is that we're talking about. You know, we, we need to be open to be inspired by the spirit through other people's mouths, especially those that we have on the table, but we don't let them speak because we're afraid.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm noticing just as you were talking the it says by a perversion of justice he was taken away and that made me think about the priest losing his priesthood right? like a perversion of justice where else have you seen perversions of justice?
1: again with the um, table with bringing someone to the table when we bring someone in um, with a certain flavor and deliciousness that they bring into the mix and we don't really pay attention to what they're saying. We are just satisfied that we i don't know check some box mm-hmm. and and then you know we 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 ask ourselves um you know we're we're doing so well and 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 I think that um not letting other other people's um um gifts flourish we're kind of preventing, um, we're, we're kind of preventing ourselves from, from enjoying the, the beauty that that other person can bring. So we're kind of like, um, we're, we're doing this to ourselves, you know? Um, and I, I think we, we, we really, really need to listen to each other.
2: Totally agree. Um, as I was thinking about your question, Shaniqua, like involuntarily what popped into my mind was a article I read about the death penalty, death penalty situation recently where someone was Mm. killed by lethal injection wasn't available. And so it was, um, I'm not even remembering the, the person had to breathe in something that killed him. And I was just horrified, uh, the death penalty, I'm opposed to it. Um, and this particular, um, instance, just, um, it just horrified me it, it perversion of justice. Um, it just immediately popped in my mind. Um, I also think about um, the various ways in which are, we are degrading our climate, our environment. Um, and um, we have incredible gifts as human beings, gifts of ingenuity and creativity. And we, we turn them in a way that harms our ourselves and our world in a way that in all the different web of interconnection that we have. Um, so the, the, the turning part of the perversion of justice, the vert (laughs) just makes me think about the various ways we turn things that could be opportunities and gifts into ways that we harm one another and our wider world, um,
0: as you were talking about the climate change, I was thinking about how, like, isn't it a perversion of justice that we allow, like, a multinational corporation to be valued as higher than a human being, right? Like, when they go up against each other, like, they are they are viewed as, they count as a person, like, legally sometimes, and how can you do that? And then you also have, like, a multinational corporation owning another multinational corporation, which people don't own other people right like and so like like it's like they they just do whenever it's convenient for them wow yeah the psalm i think always really strikes me as this deep deep lament and the uh when was the time that
1: you cried out to god too many to count <laughs> mm. i hold it very close to my heart to to talk to god and and yell if i have to and really really i mean and this is something that is kind of new because i've always um thought that you know you talk to god in a peaceful very very brotherly um very Mm -hmm. calm and you chant and you pray and and in the past couple of years when when painful things have happened or tragedies have happened there is such a such a gift to just lament to god and just to ask it's like you know if i am to do this if i am to to move forward with this pain, you got to help me. Like, you know, I know you're there, I I can feel you. I know you're there, but please like, like not, not a sign, but carry me while, while, while I'm weak. Hmm. And, and one thing I've learned is that, um, I have to be very, very careful when I, when I scream at God, because (laughs) God does answer (laughs) and (laughs) and it's like, ah, you're going to talk to me like this. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna let you know and and god always does but there's so much beauty in that because i mean even even jesus did it at the cross
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean even even jesus did it um and you know what There there's there's nothing bad with with expressing our deepest sorrows even even in the same sentence as as also giving thanks mm. for for all that we have i mean it's I think it is all well balanced and it's and it's beautiful.
2: When have I cried out to God? Um, I I well, I love the the language of Psalm twenty two because it really sort of expresses that lament. Um, I can remember crying out as a as a child when my family went through some real difficulty. My mom had a very severe um illness that became um a long standing disability, but she came close to death. Um more than one occasion, and my parents split up. I mean, just some difficult stuff in my childhood, and I remember crying out to God um, very strongly in that, in that place. Um, and as a gender nonconforming child, and experiencing, um, you know, some of the teasing, bullying stuff that kids do, and it was really difficult. I remember crying out to God, and as a, as an adult, coming out as trans and losing a family member crying out to God, um, walking as a priest with families who have experienced some really awful tragic loss with just within this last year, um, crying out to God with them separately from them in my own prayer on their behalf. Um, walking through the death of a close friend this summer, um, crying out to God. Um, I, I feel I appreciate in that crying out that God joins my crying out to God, if that makes sense, that that's part of the Paschal mystery that is, is opened up for us on Good Friday, that God is with us in solidarity in our most lonely, um, pained, painful moments and takes on that pain with us. Um, and is with us and will not in fact abandon us even as we ourselves can feel abandoned and as Christ expressed that through intoning this psalm on the cross um, all of that somehow caught up and I I need that you know I need that as a human and um, I try to open that up for folks um, in there whatever they're going through
0: the beginning of the psalm sort of is very lamenty, and then at the end, it sort of offers this this glimmer of of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we think about preaching Good Friday, um, or you know, Passion Sunday for that matter, too, right? How do we how do we offer the good news without without necessarily doing a spoiler of what's about to come? Right? <laughs> like how do how do we how do we help folks? Experience Good Friday and also have it be somewhat good news. Where where do you hear that? Or how would you say that?
1: How about giving them permission to lament hmm. and also giving them the permission to hope? Hmm. Because I think that we, we get in this funk and we forget that God gives us um, always the opportunity to hope. And to, and to keep on moving forward. And I think on Friday, without um, spoiling what's coming next, is give them permission to hope, to hope, and 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 have them ask them themselves the question: What are my hopes? Like, what is it that I'm hoping for? Because I mean, in the middle of the psalm, there's this—you know—they're they're talking about me. What am I gonna do? I think it's on. on on 13 for i have heard the whispering of the crowd fear is all around mm. they put their heads together against me they plot to take my life it's like what do you do with that you know they're they're plotting against you this is what you're doing especially when you're trying to do something good sometimes you you do feel that your surroundings are just not working with you give them that permission to hope
2: yes totally totally concur um that sense of hopeful container. Mm-hmm. Um I think yeah, I, I love the way you phrase that as like not giving the spoiler although we all have the spoiler. Right. Um, right, right. Everybody but, knows
0: it's coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I also kind of hear in your question um a not also a, like a, a desire to not rush to resurrection prematurely, right? right? Like right. we need good Friday mm-hmm. to bring us into the depth of the paschal mystery and that's that that's the container that is ultimately a hopeful container. And part of the hope is of that solidarity of God joining with us in struggle and pain and an invitation to sit with it, knowing that God is with us and God is bringing new life out of it. But it, but we don't have to jump to the new life yet. We know that that's there and that's coming, but we can sit in the midst of the pain and be accompanied in it. And also, I think this too... Um, being aware that Holy Saturday comes between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, or and before Easter mm. Vigil, um, it's one of those, you know, unsung days in a lot of ways. Um, it's a it's that space of um, Shelley Rambo uh, talks about remaining and abiding, using the the verb meno, much afoot in John's Gospel, but in her book Spirit and Trauma, where she just invites us to wait at the tomb. And that's a little bit post like Good Friday is more like how mm. Jesus gets into the tomb. But I also hear when I think about like how to not kind of rush to the spoiler, that's the the call to remain, to be present, to abide with one another and to know that God is with us, resting with us, abiding with us in the midst of of the difficulty. Um, that's that's part of what helps me. Um, that's part of the invitation. I offer to myself and that I try to to share with others on on the day as well not rushing through it but abiding with with it
0: I was thinking about this and like for those of you who know like Harry Potter uh like Mm -hmm. I learned in CPE that I'm a Hufflepuff like you know in CPE (laughs) someone like I'll go and the person's like I've got this horrible diagnosis and I like tell a joke and try and make them laugh and then think everything's fine. Well, as soon as I leave the room, they're still going to have this diagnosis. Right. And so uh, sometimes it's not about necessarily turning them up, but giving them permission to be in this lament or be in this sorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think this day is like one of the few times, like maybe this passion Sunday, Ash Wednesday. And if you do blue Christmas service, right, those are like the few times that folks who are really grieving have a space that's for them. And it doesn't say, Oh, we're all happy clapping. If you're not, then you're whatever. Um, and that might be good news for those folks who are in that, like experience going through something, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that made me think about about that. And maybe the good news is that there is a space for you if you if you are grieving or there's a space for you um to to, to think about it. Or like those times like, you know, you just broke up with someone and mm-hmm. you know, you don't wanna just get over it. You have to you know it takes two weeks and five gallons of ice cream and whatever else you <laughs> might have to do, you know what I think? Self-care as you go through it. Um let me move on to the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> this one is always a struggle cuz it's John, but how do we tell this story without being anti-semitic, right? I know like in our church one of them we have like this letter that we read that says, you know, the, when they say the Jews in this story, they don't mean this, they mean that and you know, like we kind of talk about that specifically, but how might we how might we tell this story without being anti-semitic?
2: I here really appreciate the work that um, Dan Jocelyn Simiat koski does. And I'm sure I've mispronounced his last name. I'm so sorry, Dan. Um, and he's drawing on the scholarship of others. Um, there's There are strategies to change the word to the Judeans um, in some cases. Um, and religious authorities is another possibility, depending on context, um, to recognize that there's a long history of anti-Judaism, that Christian Mm anti-Judaism that is rooted in interpretations of John's gospel in particular, but not only that, Mm -hmm. um, to repent of that. um, And to recognize that there's an internal inter-religious communal dispute that's then getting exploited by the, by the Imperial Roman context, but taken out of that context, it can look, and sound like and be used as an anti-Jewish text. And that we have to just be clear, we cannot do. And that Christians have done and have done tremendous damage on. So I just, I think that doing some strategic changing of the, the translation of that one particular word along with very you know, specific naming of the pattern, repenting of the pattern, and being clear that that's not, in fact, what the text means or meant. Um, those are some things that I think are important and have sought to do in in um, last year in particular, I did that and in previous years have have been in conversation with others in my context about about these things.
1: I have uh, some difficulty with with the gospel, and um for some reason now, in seminary it has come up a lot in in my mind. And it is something that I'm praying a lot. I I never analyzed how much anti-Semitic things I was taught when mm. I was young, um, when I was Roman in in Puerto Rico, and and I, I remember very clearly, like it was it was yesterday, when we would pray for the conversion of Jews during the Eucharist. Oh my. And, and I, I remember the, the phrase, uh, oramos por la conversión de los, de los judíos. And, you know, and this this is me as a kid. And I, re- I remember saying this every Sunday. And I never really thought about it. I was just taught to do that. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what did we think we were doing? But one good thing that I, I find now is that when I read these readings, I don't, um, even though it says it says what it says, I see the, the Juduans. has the people us talking about the people, and I see it has the world in general how we react to certain things. I don't. I really don't see it has has us talking about the Jewish people, um, even though I know that that's pretty much what it says on, on the story. But um, but it is it, it is good to mention this, um, especially if we're if we're preaching about. The gospel not I think it's very unhealthy to run away from that particular subject because we're we're going to do more damage than we're going to do good and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if if this incredible sermon that you crafted is beautiful if you don't mention hey our siblings you know we're treating our siblings a little bit differently you know be careful with this mm-hmm. um and then say whatever message you know you you need to say but we 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 should not hide from, from the pain that comes out of this, um, gospel. Um, and I, I think is just having fear, um, over it and not doing it is, is the unhealthy part. Um, and, you know, being real about experiences that you've had with this, like my own, you know, I mean, this is the way I was taught. Um, I wish it did not happen, but it happened mm-hmm. it something that I, 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 I learned and is an example that I can use. Um, because it's it's hurtful. And, you know, we we are meant to love.
0: I like the idea of thinking of it as religious authorities, because I think we can kind of see the parallel about how we as a church kind of, I think, are yes. very... Like, I think if Jesus were to come back as a Christian, I, I really fear that he would be killed by our religious authorities.
2: Mm.
0: Who is the church of today threatened by?
1: Ourselves. I think we... We are that um, has a church. We are so amazing. And at the same time, we are that silent leak under the (laughs) under the kitchen sink that leaks and leaks year after year, year after year. And we know it's there. We don't fix it because it's not a big problem. And then when we do react to fix it is when there's so much permanent damage, the whole thing needs to be replaced. Um, I think we need to we need to stop doing that we need to I mean as a church we really need to when we see even a hint of a leak we do something about it immediately why because we we're hurting people we need to not hmm how can we stop this no 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 no. stop the pain right now stop whatever it is that you're doing stop it and then let's start over because If we're hurting someone, if we're hurting ourselves, it is worth stopping so we can stop the pain.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the church is uh, threatened by those who would hold up, who hold up the mirror to our shortcomings. Um, Those who um, call us to account for the ways we've fallen short. I think the... Churches threatened by decline and by decline narrative um, and afraid about how to address it adequately in ways that are not seeking to just shore up the ways we have been but um, embrace the process of our transformation into what God would call us to be to become that's very threatening um, and and there's lots of Talking Heads talking about that and think pieces all around and I haven't got the answer on it but I I think we're deeply threatened by it and we're being called into very deep transformation and we do have to engage it.
0: I was thinking about like you know if we think not just the Episcopal Church but like the church as whole I was thinking about like the church is really threatened by non-binary thinking or thinking that's <laughs> not like black and white right like if we were to say. This might not be the only thing because I think they either want to be like, this is a sin or it's not a sin. And like, could it really be about like what what you were doing in which context it was, right? Like, mm-hmm. is stealing food okay if you're starving, but if you mm-hmm. just want a candy bar and you're doing it from like a mom and pop shop, is that different than, you know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. that kind of thinking, I think the other thing I was thinking about was like, I feel like the church is also threatened by the truth in some ways. Like I've, Mm -hmm. it's it's skewed so much, you know, that people, there's people who think that Jesus was an American or white or, you know, whatever. It's like, if we, when Mm -hmm. we point that out, like, you know, or whatever, and maybe it's threatened also by Mm -hmm. us reminding them that the gospel is political. Right. I hear all these people like, don't bring politics, but I'm like, Jesus died because he was, taking the church to the people out in the public square. And that is why he was killed.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I could just go, when you were just talking about um, non-binary thinking, I think the church is threatened by liminality of various mm. various sorts. Yeah, yeah. And, um, It takes me back to what I was thinking about earlier in terms of Holy Saturday and that, um, that way of kind of holding the paschal mystery that because um, we live in this in-between place like christ has died christ has risen christ will come again yes accomplished but we live in this in between place we receive that mystery and it isn't simply a black and white death new life there's this in-between place where we are located where we're experiencing both and I wonder if the church is not sure how to articulate that or might even in some way be threatened by that. I that may be a weird thing to say, but in the in the context of the decline narrative I often hear it. We're we're in the if if we're in experiencing death, then we know what comes next and that's new life. And I completely agree. And also, there's this you can't just instrumentalize new life to look like the thing that you want to look shored up and protected and um, shiny and new and triumphal. Um, I think it's, there's something in between and liminal where new life is emerging that we might not be able to recognize fully. And I think that can be kind of threatening. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's what's coming to mind. And
0: So here's kind of another similar question where I'm kind of asking us to take it into now, but who or what Have we as a church or as a society given over to Pilate for crucifixion?
2: I mean, I think that over and over again, we've given over people, communities who've held up the mirror to show us things we don't want to see. And sometimes we've been able to go back and recognize that and try to take stock and to be. To seek repair and sometimes we haven't yet done that but that's my my fundamental reaction is that we we have a, attended to um hand over those who threaten our security or power mm-hmm. um, stability
1: i think that we in the process of doing that what cameron just said we also has a church we've we give up ourselves to pilot because to, to defend the structure and to leave it as is. Because we're, we're so afraid of whatever change can come from those that are holding the mirror, like Cameron says to us. We, we are capable of just giving up ourselves to just maintain the system how it is. Because if for whatever reason the system is, is, is to change. That's just not possible. We, we cannot have the system change. The, ch- the system needs to stay the same. And it's, it's, it's incredible the things that we would sacrifice um, just for, for us to, to see the system in the same way. Even if the mm. system is dying, we, we, were, we will still sacrifice whatever's left over for it mm. not to change. It's like we are afraid of, of hope. We are afraid of, of, of the Spirit itself doing the work that we are asking the Spirit to do in the first place. You know, it's like we we're asking the Spirit, please inspire us. Please move, move, move us forwards, You know, guide us. Please, Spirit, be with us. We call the Spirit during the ordinations. We, we, we sing about this. We pray about this every single day. But don't change anything, Spirit right <laughs> just please 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 don't change it let's right, right. guide us spirit so we're like wait a minute like what are we doing like we're we are self-sacrificing and and then we're asking ourselves i wonder why we are in pain Then we get into those narratives like cameron mentioned the, the whole narrative of of the church is dying i mean some people absolutely love talking about the church is dying and i always like to ask i'm like are you sure the church is dying or is the church dying how we think the church mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. You mean the old system? You mean the the system where you had all the power? Mm-hmm. Or is it because the voice of the church is changing and you don't mm-hmm. recognize it? Because you don't want to. It's because we don't want to.
0: I was thinking about, like... Title IV and all the things that have been kind of brought up. And I think sometimes we hand over, like we hand over Title IV to pilot to kind of say, oh, now you deal with this. When I mean, I think there's other ways of doing like that's an ecclesiastical solution, but there's also legal solutions. Like if somebody's done something wrong, you know, if somebody punches me in the face, I'm going to call the police and file charges for assault. Right. Like I I could also do Title IV, but it's not meant to be a substitution for the other.
1: Right. And also, where is God? And where is the spirit in Title Four? Mm. You know how how is it that we're treating like one thing I hear a lot about Title Four is um is you know doesn't matter what side of Title IV you are you will come out with incredible wounds and I've always asked myself but why is why is that what is it that we are missing is it, did we take the spirit out of Title Four like what's what's the point of what we're doing with Title Four you know, mm-hmm. has, has, has a church. Sometimes we, we, we like to play the, um, we're also a business card and, and, and sometimes we like to play, Well, we are a church, but it, it's just like, wait a minute. What, which, which one is it? What, mm-hmm. what are we doing? Are we, are we the church with a business aspect or are we a business with a church aspect? Ooh. It's like, okay, so that all depends. You choose one section or the other, depending on where your power lies. But no, 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 no. At the end of the day, is it's God's church, and we need to remind ourselves of that. So I've always wondered about the
0: crucifixion and like, who is ultimately responsible? Like, are we? Are all of the people who were present there responsible as bystanders? Is it is Pilate responsible for Jesus's death? Is God because God knew what was going to happen and sent Jesus, and Jesus is God? Is is God responsible? Is it? judas for betraying jesus is it rome
2: i mean i think there's multiple answers to this question that i consider to be simultaneously true um i think that um there's the you know when you know we pra- when we do the passion narratives if we do them in our congregations where there's the crucify him crucify him and multiple like we join in saying that that's
0: mm-hmm.
2: to name complicity in Um, our own complicity in um, systems that that crucify. Um, And that's not going to look the same for everybody. People have different experiences, they may have been crucified by systems. Um, So it's not to assume the same positionality in that, but to acknowledge connectedness to systems that oppress. And in the case of of Jesus, oppressed him to death and so judas is responsible as well i mean there's like multiple parties that do Hmm. um and it you know jesus as fully human and fully divine um takes you know this is part of what's good news to me about good fridays takes on you know is is present in the midst of a system that is horrific human human brokenness and it's you know, on full display and is in solidarity with those who are broken by our broken system and takes that on and is present with and is about the healing and the restoration of humanity and of all creation. It's it's the extension of incarnation to crucifixion, to resurrection and ascension. It's all, it's that piece of the larger arc. And so in that moment, um, there's multiple, multiple, causal forces there. And God is, is, is taking that on and um, holding that close to God's own heart in, in, in love and um, support and presence. And even as Christ expresses a sense of abandonment, as we heard in Psalm 22, Um, but God is, present in Christ and with Christ. And you get into the mystery of the Trinity and its interface with all this too. Um, So that's my, (laughs) that's my off the cuff answer to your really complicated question. (laughs) Thanks, Janique. Right.
1: (laughs) I think um, that's a very, very incredible question to ask. Um, I believe that at least when I read the story, everyone in the story, but Jesus has, has a part in the Mm -hmm. responsibility of what happened Um, because every single, I I believe every single character, I don't know, maybe this sounds kind of cruel, but I think every single character, but Jesus could have done a little bit more,
0: Mm.
1: you know? And I I think that because of fear, because of um, power, or um, we just sometimes just don't do what we're supposed to do because it is it is scary to go against the system, I cannot imagine going against mm-hmm. the governor and you know with all all the guards or going against the people that are that are screaming, you know, crucify him, crucify him you know it's 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 scary to to speak justice even when we know that justice is what we should be speaking and what we should be screaming at the top of our lungs justice, 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 but it comes at a cost and that cost is so painful. And, and I think all of us present here in this podcast knows that that cost is, is, it it feels terrible. It, it, you know, it, it it forms us, but it also tears, tears us a a, a bit. Hmm. And, and I get it, you know, but I think, I think everyone had a little bit to, to, a part to play in the in 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 the story, and the fact of the matter is, is that we can always do better, and we should always do better. And at that moment when you think, "Oh wow, I did good," you really should sit sit down with yourself and say, "Okay, yes, I did good, but I wonder how I could do better."
0: In my former life as an epidemiologist, when we talk about cancer, we often talk about mm-hmm. causal pies. That's what I think of when I ask this question: is like. Like, is cancer caused by, you know, purely biology or environmental or, you know, all these different pieces, diet, you know, or whatever. And so there's like these causal pies that kind of can make, you know, if you get the whole pie, unfortunately, then mm-hmm. you can get the cancer. But like, it could be some of different and some slices might be bigger than others, but it made me think that there's all kind of, there's enough slices in this Jesus crucifixion. Mm-hmm jesus uh you know it said he was laid to rest in a tomb with myrrh and aloes and mm-hmm. i think um i know in some of the tribal communities that i've been they actually will go and actually in jewish culture too um they go and they actually wash the body and they're it's like intimately involved in that process um i know in the the natives, some of them they'll do that too they they go in and um the funeral directors, if they're new, have to get a little used to the families coming in with their cedar water to go do that. Um, But I feel like in society as a whole, we're so removed from this death and dying process and try and sterilize it so much. How do you think that impacts our understanding of this story or even our understanding of death and life?
2: Mm. So I hear a call in this question you've articulated, a call to attend to contexts of death and to, um, to one's own mortality as well. How do we, at- how do we accompany one another in contexts of death? Um, and I think there's ways to look at that in terms of death-dealing structures in our world. We've been talking about that in a variety of ways in this, but I also think about it just in terms of the reality of mortality and of... Mm of that one is going to die that I am going to die one day and that I am with others who are going to die one day. And how can we, um, not be in, in, um, a space of, of denial about that, but intentional and take up intentional spiritual practices, which multiple cultures and religious traditions have, um, my own context at St. Aidan's, there's a wonderful group of folks who, um, came together and said, we really want to talk about this. We want to be intentional. It's called the end of life ministry, ELM, the ELM committee. And they, we've done a series of um, presentations around decisions around end of life. Um, What does, you know, not only does, what does one want to have at one's funeral, but what kinds of decisions around um, burial, cremation, water cremation, um, how do we want to accompany one another around processes of dying? Um, just seeking to break through cultural forces in our context that's, that are really quite death-denying, and instead to turn and um, be present in the, in the reality of mortality and support one another in being intentional about that for ourselves and for our communities, our families. Um, so that the invitation to be present in the in the midst of death, I hear that in this moment in the story, um, and I'm I'm thinking even of of being with my friend Ian this summer. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, he knew he was dying, and there was a group of us who were with him um, as that happened, and um, and one of our number was with him after he had died and when he was cremated, and that was a very powerful. Um, experience for that person. And I just, um, it was such a sorrowful experience to lose him. It's hard to put into words, but it was such a powerful privilege to walk with others um, uh, as we together walked with him and were able to surround him with love, not in any denial, but very full understanding of what was happening and um, release him to God.
1: I love how you. Um... How when you talk about this story has much pain has this must have cost you? You talk about it with so much love. Mm. Uh, it's like there's like love bursting completely mm. out of every word that you're saying mm. while you're describing this experience. And I, mm. I, I absolutely love that because, um, there's just no nothing better than than being loved by, by the people that are around you. It's just such a beautiful thing and, and it's, it's a, such a gift that that they took with them as well i think i think we do take that love with us um maybe nothing else but we definitely take the love with us um and it, it's interesting because like sometimes we see death has that that little character that drawing of of the skeleton with with, mm. with the cape and we kind of say you know that's death and and um there's one interesting um talking about harry potter when they're showing the the deathly hollows i think it is at the end of the story of the deathly hollows it says something about death came has a friend mm. or or like 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 a friend and that kind of stayed with me because death is just i mean it's it's it, it's a part of us and mm. i have always questioned my, myself and maybe as a, as a future priest That funerals to me have always been it's probably one of my favorite services to attend and it's not because the person's it's gone Mm -hmm. that causes me incredible uh, sadness and pain but it is such an honor to be there for those that were even closer to that person Mm -hmm. i mean there's just no bigger honor than to sit right next to someone that you know they're going through the most incredible pain in their lives And you're just literally just sitting there in the ministry of presence. You're probably not saying a word or nothing. You're probably holding the person's hand, but you're just there. I mean, there's just, just like God is with us, uh, especially when we weep in secrecy, when we weep at home by, by ourselves, but doing that for someone else right there next to God, I think it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful thing and even I think even Jesus with all of the the way that he died and such such a horrible thing, um, even Jesus I think um accepted death with such peace, like, well, here you are. And this has to happen and let's go. Mm. Um and I think that sometimes we we need to look at death kind of the same way and uh, just yesterday i was having a conversation with a friend um i think i got the question are you afraid of dying and i said you know i don't really think so i think i have more i think i'm more afraid of am i gonna leave my apartment clean <laughs> <laughs> and opens this place you know like, are the dishes gonna be washed this is what i'm thinking about i'm like make sure to wash your dishes. Um and make sure that, you know, Coco, my, my puppy has food till when whenever someone, you know, finds me. It's like, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, but wait a minute, Let, let's be realistic over this. I'm I'm not. Um and, and that's just me, of course. But but I believe that that death is is is, you know, it's a it's a part of who we are and it's part of the the nature of, of life. And I, I think it's kind of exciting that this body that we carry. Will go back to the source and and become other things. I don't know. There's there's this beauty about it. I just don't want to die right now because there's so many things to do, <laughs> and I want to graduate. I don't want to traumatize my my fellow um, seminary and colleagues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to get ordained. I want to have you know. I, I want to get to do what I what what I feel called to do, but death death is 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 a friend and. And again, it's an honor to be right next to to it in whatever ways that may be—a friend, a family, our own. Especially people that we, we that we love so much, because that's part of the price of of love, isn't it? it it's that pain that comes with it too.
0: I was thinking about like you know having uh, being white and native like seeing how Natives are so maybe, I don't know if comfortable with death is the right word, but we're much more intimately involved with death, kind of like how you described Ken, Cameron in your experience with Ian. And then on the white side, it's very sterile and removed and, you know, like all this kind of thing. And and I remember like just seeing the differences and how traumatic death is for the white side, you know, like they don't deal with it. They have all this un- complicated grief, you know, and we might be sad in the moment, but I feel like we know it's coming and we can handle it. And it's so much, and our children, we don't shield our children from it. So it's something I grew up, seeing and knowing and you know Mm -hmm. i I, that makes me think that i wonder what would be like um i'm going to shift into my last question after this but i wonder what would it be like to preach a sermon specifically about dying on good friday like talking about how we view death what it would look like have you done your final arrangements i wonder what you know like do you Mm -hmm. have people do you have strong enough relationships with somebody who would wash your body for you or how would we you know do we do we have someone that we love whose body we would wash? You know, I'd like it coming from this very realistic perspective, and I wonder what that that would be like. And so my my question is kind of, what tips do you have for preaching Good Friday? Maybe it's not a good idea to preach about death, but I definitely think this is the time to do it if you're going to do it at any time.
2: Yeah. Well, it's such a great question, and I love your scenario. Um, and um, I think my the Elm Committee at St. Aidan's would probably be really into that. <laughs> um the tips for preaching on Good Friday, um, connecting, connecting the stories. there are so many stories that that the readings give us on Good Friday. Um, but they, as you were saying earlier, really um, name contexts of loss, suffering, death, burial, um, and so preaching that connects those contexts to our lived experience, the things that we may be suffering or be afraid of suffering um telling inviting storytelling um connecting as i said around the especially the stations of the cross lends itself especially well to this but Mm -hmm. preaching um in a way that activates these stories visually um there's so many different approaches
1: i think that preaching about about um one's death and what we've done with the idea that Shaniqua mentioned, I think that's fabulous. Because again, when when would it be appropriate for us to just mention casually right. something like that? And especially in a church, how many times, you know, in, in parish ministry someone dies and and we just we really don't know what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And some people don't leave details of what it is that they wanted. And mm-hmm. and you know the family's kind of struggling and they're coming to us. Hey I don't know what to do with grandpa. Did he ever said anything? And then sometimes it becomes, you know, your word or somebody else's word. Well, I overheard mm. him say this. And, you know, as has a Gregorian, um, one of our requirements before we do our vows, um, we actually, um, we have a form that we fill with how, what our details of what happens to us when we pass and what songs we want in our in our service, who do we prefer for the, uh, who do we prefer of of the brothers to celebrate the mass? Um, like it's, it's all in detail, which reminds me, I need to update mine again. <laughs> I, I found a hymn that I really like <laughs> more than another. Um, so it, it and, and I have to submit that before I do my vows. And I remember thinking about it, looking at the form, but I'm so young. And at the time I think I was like 29 and I, I'm like, but wait a minute, death can come at any time. And if i can make that a bit easier for those that i love and those mm-hmm. that love me then let's do it so i think preaching about it on on friday has has um has us telling a- almost our own story together with with christ's pain and suffering i mean that's just it that's beautiful because i think jesus really wants us to 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 think about it and, and to and why not walk together with with him, you know, with, in in his death. I think it's, and then the next day, hey, you know, there's there's more to, there there's more after. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a, a I think it's hopeful. I think it's it's beautiful. It's helpful. I think it's healthy. Um, for for the for them to have an example like that, to maybe even start that conversation with their own family members. Well, and to look at death has has something that will happen and and but it shouldn't be as difficult as it is when you know some things are just not really prepared and like i, I myself i'm very comfortable because i'm surrounded by people that love me so if i just drop right now i feel so bad for my for my and friends because i love them but i know that i'm not going to be alone i know that that this is going to be taken care of respectfully and with so much love and my family is going to do their part And my brothers that are scattered all over the U.S. are going to do their part. And there's going to be so much love that is going to that is going to come up to where where, to wherever I go to party with with, with God. So I think it's a beautiful time to to talk about death and again, walk with Jesus, like walk the journey with Jesus instead of talking about it in such an external Mm. way because it's not, it's, it's personal, you know, this is our story too. Mm -hmm. So let's walk together with it. Mm. Thank you so much
0: for being willing to be guests on the podcast and share your wisdom and stories. It was, it was great having you. And I know our listeners will enjoy it also. Thank you. This was fun.
2: Thank you so much for the invitation. Great to be with you both.
0: If you want to learn more about Beloved Community, visit episcopalchurch.org forward slash Beloved hyphen community. Thanks to our guests, Cameron and Angel. Thanks also to our production team, especially Chris and Asma. If you've been moved today, please rate, review, and of course, share our podcast. Until next time, let your light shine.
2: if you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at
1: iam.ec lovealways.